as porn has become more prevalent, we've seen uh, the rise of um, you know heterosexual dysfunctional heterosexual relationships. We've seen a decline in marriages and and birth rate. We've seen a rise in some of these other I would say issues in society. Certainly a rise in homosexual relationships, and definitely a rise in uh, gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. And so this is all tied to pornography. Um, and, and you know, kids really need time to be kids. And then as they grow up, then they can start to learn about sexuality. When you sexualize them too young, I think it really does hurt them in a big way. Howdy, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of Moment of Truth, the podcast of American Moment. We have a very exciting episode for you all today. Uh, but first, want to plug uh, a couple things on our on our website. Uh, obviously, you can go to AmericanMoment.org to learn more about our mission, uh, all the kinds of programs we have going on, any particular events um, that we may be having in the coming weeks. I promise you'll want to stay tuned to that. We're going to have some exciting things to announce uh, in the in the coming weeks. Um, I am also on Twitter at, uh, at Nick S. Solheim and Sarab is, I believe, S. Sharma U.S. Um, so, uh, and yeah, as you've noticed, uh, my Brahmin companion is not here with me today. Um, he's out doing some development travel so we can all get paid, uh, but I promise he will be returning to the podcast very soon. Um, so this week, had a conversation with uh, John Schweppe, who is the policy director at the American Principles Project. Um, You may remember we've done episodes previously with Terry Schilling, um, and and we briefly touched on those episodes um, about porn and also how weird and disgusting it is. Um, And so that is the topic uh, for for this week's episode. Uh, If you are um, listening while uh, doing the dishes and, and you have kids around, uh, I might advise you that you should probably put in headphones now um, because this is not a very safe for work or home uh, episode. We talk about a lot of the weird um, kinks driving uh, uh, porn culture, and so it's a little graphic. So I would just uh, recommend that you listen to it on your own uh, in case any of you have any kids around. Porn has been a a very interesting issue uh, uh, in the last year or so uh, because there have been a number of states that have taken an initiative to require porn companies to verify uh, the age of, of users of their platforms. Um, and in response, many of those companies have refused to do so and uh, pulled their service out of those states. Um, you know, Louisiana, Utah, Virginia, this has happened in a couple states now. Um, and whereas you know, doing something about the porn ep- epidemic five years ago, you know, would have been absolute insanity. Um, APP is a part of an initiative to, uh, you know, bring more success uh, to that issue. And they've actually collaborated with some on the left to be able to do so. So uh, we we talked about um, that, the, the age verification, um, who owns all these porn companies, who's profiting off of it. Um, and why the the some people on the left and and certainly libertarians are so dedicated uh, to having porn available to children. Um, so it's a very fascinating episode. John's a very uh, good friend of of me and of American Moment. Um, so we are very glad to have him on. Uh, John is the director of policy for the American Principles Project. In this role, he advances the organization's legislative priorities by working with allied groups and with federal and state lawmakers. Schweppe co-authored the groundbreaking 2020 report, Protecting Free Speech and Defending Kids, a Proposal to Amend Section 230. Schweppe is an alumnus of the Claremont Institute's Lincoln Fellowship. He has been published in a number of publications, including the New York Post, The American Mind, First Things, Newsweek, The Federalist, and The Daily Caller. Prior to joining APP, he worked on several political campaigns focusing mainly on communications and policy. He is a graduate of Augustana College, where he majored in economics and finance. We will go now to Mr. John Schweppe. John, 
Thanks for coming on the pod. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So as you know, uh, we always like to start the show the same way. Tell us the illustrious story of John Schweppe, who you are, where you've come from, and uh, what motivates you and all the important issues that you're working on today. Okay. Uh, so I got my start on political campaigns. I actually, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, I went to a small college in Illinois and was uh, I, my majors were economics and finance. And so I wanted to go get rich. Um, I had an internship. I was all set to go, hope, hopefully doing stock trading and all that. And uh, you know, I showed up to my internship on day one and they basically told me, no, there's no internship. You're screwed. Um, and this was for credit at my college. So I went back to my, my advisor and was basically like, hey, you know, I needed I need an internship like this was how I was going to graduate all of that. And uh, there were three internships available and one of them was Bobby Schilling for Congress. Mm. And, uh, you know, I was kind of libertarian leaning at the time, but definitely a Republican. Um, and, you know, I didn't know who Bobby Schilling was, but I was excited about it. I looked him up, thought he was great. Um, and so I interviewed with them. And actually, Terry Schilling, who is the campaign manager of that campaign, uh, interviewed me. Uh, he tells a much more uh, illustrious story about this uh, and what I was wearing at the time. But uh, but yeah, I ended up working with that campaign. Uh, we That was the Tea Party wave, so 2010. We ended up winning, which was kind of a crazy thing uh, because Bobby Schilling was not expected to win that year. And uh, I just worked on a bunch of campaigns and eventually came out here uh, to work at American Principles Project. So really, I've been working for Terry Schilling for... Uh, over a decade. <laughs> 14, 14 years. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. But um, but yeah, the campaigns really gave me the background I think I needed to, to understand politics in a way that I think folks don't necessarily understand it if they don't do campaigns. Um, and so I came out here. I did communications for a little bit for American Principles Project. And then around 2018, I asked Terry very nicely. Uh, if I could start doing lobbying and, and policy and really starting to, you know, APP had been growing. I wanted to to help us have influence on the Hill and in the States. And uh, he took a chance on me with that. And I've been doing that ever since. Yeah. And it, it seems like, you know, you've been having a lot of success with that, which, you know, we'll get to in a little bit. I'm, I'm curious to hear more about, um, you know, you and Terry starting to work at APP, because um, my understanding is APP previously um, was focused on kind of a different suite of issues than than what y'all are focused on now. So what was it like when you guys first arrived and, and kind of the transition period? Sure. Well, APP launched in 2009 kind of as a response to Obama's agenda. And so you're right. It had a bunch of different issues that it focused on. Um, Terry came on around 2013, and then I came on at the end of 2014. And basically, I wouldn't say we pivoted from those issues. We still support everything we supported back then. Uh, we're just not talking about them as much anymore. Like, you know, I mean, we support a return to the gold standard, mm -hmm. right? And there will be a time and a place when we're ready to talk about <laughs> that again. But we decided let's focus on, you know, the biggest threat to America right now, which we saw as the anti-family forces uh, certainly the radical LGBT movement and how can we fight against them. And so we really focused on that family side of things. And I think it's it's been beneficial to us. It's helped us grow. But also we've been addressing the issues that really needed to be addressed in the last few years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Terry, um, you know, when he talks about APP and when he introduces himself, he uses this phrase he calls uh, APP the NRA for families, mm -hmm. which I love. I, I, I think that's a great way to describe it. Um, and one of the big issues that, um, you know, young men and women and, and families in general are uh, struggling with in our American culture now is this this issue of um, online pornography. Um, and, and that is kind of what I want to spend the, the bulk of our time uh, talking about here, because there are a lot of very interesting uh, things happening. I'd be curious to hear off the bat, um, you know, what what the kind of regulations have been uh, over the past, like since the advent of the internet, you know, um, how pornography kind of got its start online um, and the uh, regulation or lack thereof um, of it, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. So there was a bipartisan consensus on this early on, you know, back in the 90s when the internet was first starting and you were logging on, you know, with a 28.8K you know, MPS, whatever it is, uh, modem, you know, it was harder to to get the pornography you're thinking of today, but it was there. And so, you know, all these members of Congress were worried about it. So they passed a law, which it's a famous law because of Section 230, 
but it's called the Communications Decency Act. Mm. And that law actually did uh, age gate pornography. It basically said uh, that you can't, you know, send pornography to minors. Um, that law was found unconstitutional by the Supreme Court in a case mm. called Reno v. ACLU. Uh, it was in 1996 or 97. And basically the court said you can't do this because uh, two things. One, the Internet isn't as pervasive as TV and radio, hmm. which is kind of funny in retrospect. Um, and two, uh, that this is an undue burden on the free speech rights of adults. So basically, if you're trying to restrict uh, kids access to this, it hurts adults too much. Um, and at the time, you know, this, I guess, made some sense. There was a, a concurrence uh, that disagreed slightly with this and kind of provided a, a path for Congress to uh, to to do this, to do an age, age verification thing. But it wasn't paid attention to. Basically, Congress took Reno BACLU to mean we're done. There's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. And really, even up until like five, six years ago, conservative groups were out saying there's nothing we can do. And so you saw legislation in the states passed um, saying pornography was a public health crisis, but ultimately nothing was being done uh, to stop this. And, and you know, pornography in 2023 is very different than it was in 1993. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, back then you were downloading stills that you could find in Playboy or Hustler. You know, now it's video. Uh, but obviously, it's much more than that. It's some of the most disgusting stuff imaginable. It's animated. Um, and, and you know, ultimately, kids have access in a way now that they definitely didn't in 1993. So let me make sure that I'm understanding this correctly. The the ACLU, when they were bringing this, course, this uh, court case forward, um, basically their position was uh, <laughs> that it placed an undue burden on adults uh, on their free speech to not provide pornography to minors. Right. The argument was they they talked about a, a credit card verification mm-hmm. at the time and that having that credit card or having that ID was uh, too much. It was too much to ask. It was the uh, the porn equivalent of a poll tax. Hmm. And so you can't do it. And did they actually use that? They phrase? did not use that. I just, threw, I just threw that out there. But that was that's that's the general argument. And it look because, you know, this is how Washington works. Uh, they they've just kind of stuck to that line for the longest time. And so, you know, really, APP 2016, 2017, we started exploring this issue. We wanted to do something about porn because and we can go down this road, but porn is tied to a lot of the other issues we fight against. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there just wasn't that much of an interest institutionally. There was a lot of uh, rejection of the ability to do anything. And so we decided to explore it. Yeah. On on ACLU, on the ACLU in particular, I mean, they, they kind of have this storied history of, um, you know, defending civil rights and also communists and uh, that sort of thing. What is their interest at, at, at play here in defending, um, you know, uh, pornography? Like the thing, the thing that um, I'm thinking about here is, um, you know, is lewd behavior or lewd images or videos or whatever um, is, is that free speech? Are you, are you free to do uh, whatever you please in the, public marketplace the founders would have said no yeah right i mean that's obvious um but no the aclu definitely was opposed to obscenity laws opposed to any restrictions on the first amendment and this is the 1990s now we know the aclu to be a much more left-wing uh democrat leaning organization they're big on misinformation and all that so they're not Mm -hmm. the same but back then they were just a radical free speech group and i do think there's a debate to be had on obscenity and all of that but ultimately, when it comes to kids, there's there's clearly a state interest in, in protecting them from that from that type of material. Um, we recognize that certainly at brick and mortar uh, establishments, you can't you know send a kid into a a, a strip club at mm-hmm. age sixteen. Shouldn't be able to access porn online either. Um, but you know this is this is what we were up against, and it's been really a triumph of the new right i think in the last few years that that has changed at all mm-hmm. but now suddenly i think it's it's accepted that you know what actually we can protect kids from this stuff yeah so let's talk about the um you know harmful effects that uh particularly youth are experiencing when when exposed to this stuff early i mean i've seen uh you know these these polls that basically say uh you know the average 
uh, age of a young male exposed to pornography these days is like 11 Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, What are the the harmful effects on a youthful brain, you know, when being exposed uh, to something so graphic at that time? Yeah. I mean, it's actually the advent of the smartphone has really changed the game on this. You know, I remember personally, I think the first time I looked at porn was like 17 or 18, but I was using I'm old. Right. I was Mm -hmm. using a desktop computer. You know, it's in a public place. Like it's a little bit harder to do now. Kids have smartphones and a lot of kids do have smartphones at Mm -hmm. age 11 and they can go to their bedroom. They can do this by themselves. Um, It's really dangerous because, you know, when you're learning about sex and when your brain is first starting to explore this, you know, you don't really if, if you're seeing really deranged or dysfunctional versions of sex, it's going to impact how you look at the opposite sex, right? And so with porn, certainly, you know, there's the issues of of domestic violence that arise from it. There's the issues of dysfunctional sexual relationships, uh, belief that, you know, this is the standard of, of a woman I expect. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, it's porn brain, right? Like that's yeah. not really what women are like. They're beautiful, but they're beautiful in a different way. Um, and and I think it, it really does ruin kids in a lot of ways. And we've seen that actually, right? Like as porn has become more prevalent, we've seen uh, the rise of, um, you know, heterosexual, dysfunctional heterosexual relationships. We've seen a decline in marriages and and birth rate. We've seen a rise in some of these other, I would say, issues in society, certainly a rise in homosexual relationships and definitely a rise in uh, gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. And so this is all tied to pornography. Um, and, and you know, kids really need time to be kids. And then as they grow up, then they can start to learn about sexuality. When you sexualize them too young, I think it really does hurt them in a big way. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, you know, kind of a decline in, in marriage rates, especially at a, you know, we've seen this in in the fact that uh, marriage is now being delayed kind of later and later. How I think there are a lot of factors to yeah, it. Yeah. Um, you know, the economic situation of the average young American these days. Um, but how much of a role do you think um, porn plays specifically in that issue? So I'll tell you, I, I think the sexual drive of males is a pretty powerful thing. And yeah. porn is a way to release that drive. Um, and I, I don't think it's helpful, right? Like mm-hmm. ultimately males should you know, especially in their early 20s, you know, they do want to have sex. They do want to procreate. That's a natural urge, uh, natural desire. And uh, marriage and, you know, really normal relationships and marriage, that's how you do that. Um, I think porn is basically given men an outlet to where, you know, if they fail the first, second, third time at at trying to find a, a woman, they often give up and retreat to their their own, you know, secluded fantasies right yeah and, and it's a problem and so um, there's certainly lots of data to show this too uh, it's agreed upon on the left and the right but i think porn is clearly a dysfunctional part of finding relationships and then when you look at marriages and holding them together porn is often you know one of the things that's tearing them apart yeah i was actually going to ask about that next you know moving up a level so uh you know married married couples you know between the ages of like 20 and, and 50, what what do you think the impact has been there? I'm, I, it, certainly, you know, there's plenty of anecdotal evidence that it's been a real problem. Um, it's cited in all sorts of divorce proceedings and things like that. But, you know, it it, it tears couples apart, right? Instead of, uh, you know, the, the going to bed together and, and sleeping in the same bed and sleeping together, you know, you're often seeing husband and wife pulled apart a husband downstairs on his computer while wife's upstairs and like this is a real problem and again this is the adult aspect of it you can make an argument that oh this is speech this is freedom you know okay um but i think i think certainly where we're talking about children i think there's broad consensus that that porn is a problem and we should do something about it yeah you mentioned a few minutes ago um that you know this is pretty commonly cited as a problem both on the right and the left I'd like to hear more about uh, the left's response to this. How are they thinking about uh, this particular issue? Uh, How do they think about um, regulating it, preventing, um, you know, minors from accessing it? And then to the extent that, um, you know, you can influence adults. um, How how are they thinking about that as opposed to the right? Well, we definitely approach it in slightly with different priorities in mind. I think the right is very focused on. We don't want to sexualize children at this early age. I think the left is more focused on, you know, real issues like human trafficking, uh, abuse of women, 
those types of things. Not that the right isn't focused on that too, but I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what drives them. And certainly, you know, we've seen that with Pornhub, which is, I believe, the largest uh, porn site out there. Uh, you know, they've had issues where they've had minors performing on their on their platform. Mm-hmm. They've had traffic vic- traffic victims, you know, on their platform as well. Um, and and it's a really gray, muddy, you know, r- industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ultimately, I think the left is. You know, often they support sex work and things like that, but they certainly want to regulate it and make it where uh, that type of stuff isn't happening. On por- not, I should say, not everyone on the left. Some people, yeah, on the left. some people, some people on the left think this is all great. And some, I assume, are good people. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. <laughs> um, what is uh, Pornhub's, uh, you know, kind of status on, uh, you know, verifying? Like, say you upload a video. Right. How do they and I'm assuming that they don't really, but how do they verify that you're not um, uploading content that includes minors, that includes um, women that may have been sex trafficked or, or whatever? So now they have a little bit more of a identification system in place um, and somebody who's more of an expert on Pornhub itself could probably speak to that. But Nicholas Kristoff wrote about this. Uh, it was about a year ago. And all of a sudden, the credit card companies were canceling Pornhub, and it was a big deal. Um, so they did change their ways a little bit on the uh, production end of their content because they had to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Conservative they, cancel culture yeah, can yeah. be a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except ironically, I think a lot of that came from the left, right? Yeah. Uh, we, we had been talking about this for years, mm-hmm. and Nicholas Kristof comes to the rescue in the New York Times, and then all of a sudden, oh, okay, now we care. Now yeah. the companies care, right? Yeah. Now MasterCard wants right, to right. stop minors from appearing on a porn site. Right, right. <laughs> but, um, but look, I think, you know, it, it it did that was a really important moment because it did kind of show that the CD underbelly of these porn sites was happening that these aren't like family friendly. I mean, they, it's so funny how the porn uh, industry actually tries to market themselves. They're trying to act mm-hmm. like they're like a family friendly industry. It's insane. Um, and look, we we we, I, I really think that that was an important moment towards where we were at now, which is. Um, we have a left-right consensus on, okay, so if we want age verification for performers, then obviously we should have age verification for those who are watching it as well, right? Because it's 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 not appropriate for kids under the age of 18. It's not appropriate for adults either. Yeah. yeah do the Joe Biden whisper thing. Mm-hmm. But but uh, ultimately, it's something we want to prevent. Yeah, you're just going to mumble into the mic. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do your Joe Biden impersonation. Um, so... Uh, I want to talk about the the state regulation because this has been something I've been watching very closely, um, and it's been it's been very cool to see. You have a number of states, uh, Louisiana, Utah, Virginia, states that you might not expect. Like Virginia was a a, a pretty big surprise for me. Um, basically, saying that uh, you know these companies have to make it so that. Um, you have to verify the age of 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 the person um you know accessing that website that they can't be under the age of 18 and in response um a lot of these companies you know Pornhub in particular have just like instead of doing that they've just decided to not provide service at all right um uh in those in those states so um i i i want to hear more particulars about what the bills do um maybe the differences between uh uh you know the the different things that they use in different states um, and what the effect of that has been. Sure. So first of all, I don't want to um, exaggerate the effect of these bills. They they could be a lot stronger. Um, they have carve outs for, say, search engines, uh, big tech companies. I mean, there's mm. issues that I that we at APP certainly don't like um, that we'd like to improve. But, you know, let's let's take a win for what it is. We had seven states pass this legislation. Uh, and obviously it is having a real effect when you see Pornhub leaving these states. What are the other ones aside from the ones that I mentioned? Utah, Virginia. I'm going to do this off the top of my head. Louisiana, uh, Mississippi, um, Montana, it's five. Okay. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> did I say Virginia already? Yes. Oh man. Texas. That was the okay. one we were really active in. Yeah, six. Um, and there's one more, and I'm not. It's not coming to my head. That's all right. Head. Keep yeah. going. But um, I should have. I should have written that down. But no, I think. I think the the thing to understand here is that there's a lot of politics at play. So there are these bills. There's there's two ways to do age verification effectively. You can do it via the device, the actual phone itself, or you could do it via 
um, requiring the content providers to have their own age verification system. Um, and the device manufacturers really don't want to be liable for this stuff and mm -hmm. they're kind of annoyed by it. And so you have some really great groups out there and we've endorsed these bills too, but uh, really great groups like the National Center on Sexual Exploitation that have pushed these device filter bills. And basically your your phone has the ability to have, an, have, a, have a filter on it. Mm -hmm. uh, the devices just have it turned off and it's really hard to turn on. And so these bills would basically say, hey, that's got to be on. And if not, you face liability device manufacturer. Um, and so in some of these states like Montana, this actually happened there. What's happening is that because the, uh, the tech companies don't want the liability, they're willing to allow the age verification on the porn sites. Hmm. And so I think you're going to see this more and more uh, next year where states want to pass age verification on the porn sites to prevent uh, the other companies from having to have that liability. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say just intuitively, I think it makes sense to, to hold the porn sites liable. It probably makes sense to do both because some of these porn sites are overseas. They're going to be really hard to to sue or, or you know, deal with another way unless DOJ like seizes their domain name. And so it probably makes sense to incur as much liability as possible to protect kids. But um, but anyway, so this has been part of what's been the rise of this, because some of these states just do not want the device filters bill. Mm -hmm. But even in the age verification bills, you still have, uh, again, Google is powerful. And we all know that Google is, you know, where a lot of searches for porn originate. And then they go to these off-sites. Um, Google doesn't want to face liability here, and they haven't so far. Um, and then you also have just generic social media companies. X, Twitter, right, is, is a haven for pornography. Mm -hmm. uh, no liability yet, even though minors use that site. So um, so I think there's a uh, we still need to go back to the drawing board uh, and, and strengthen these bills. But that being said, I mean, if you said five years ago, are you even going to be able to have these bills passed? Mm -hmm. You know? Most most people would have thought no way because it's it's so institutionally difficult to do, despite the fact that so many people support it. Yeah, I think that's um, that that's what's been so fascinating about it to me is like you know you had especially on what is now called X um, uh, a lot of these dialogues about how um, harmful porn was, and you had a lot of these young guys saying bam porn, bam porn, and everyone's kind of like that'll never happen right you know and to, to see some real progress um is uh super super fascinating to me um tell me more about the uh you know actual act of verification um you know on these porn sites is this you know similar to like tobacco and alcohol where you just check a box and you can lie um uh, what does this look like in those different states so this has been something that i actually didn't know while we were working on this legislation and now i know and i'm really excited about so you have like the law in louisiana louisiana actually has a state id and so it's a public private partnership where mm -hmm. they're basically working with the government and that does put a lot of people at disease and i understand that um but you know so the way we were talking about it originally and it was still popular when we talked about it this way was all you got to do is put your ID in. You'll have like a third party encrypted thing and it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Well, I've actually learned I talked to a company uh, that does this stuff. And basically right now your phone and your computer knows exactly how old you are. Mm -hmm. It knows it because of all the data points, all, you know, um, consumer research panels. They, they know how, how old you are. And so basically, uh, or I shouldn't say panels, consumer research data. And so right now. Uh, there's companies out there with 99.9% certainty can verify age based on a device. So Pornhub or whoever could pay them. And I was told it's something like 30 to 50 cents uh, a verification. And then they could for sure, you know, make sure that kids aren't accessing their site. Now they're not interested in doing that. Mm -hmm. But now we're talking about this as if it's like a regulation, not a restriction on speech. It's basically saying, look, if you want to be in this porn, you know, industry, you are going to have to make sure that kids aren't accessing your site and you can do that. And here's a way to do it. You're just going to have to pay some money. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it totally changes the ballgame. And so what will end up happening if this is the standard where you have this in all 50 states, um, you know, you won't even know. Let's say, I mean, I'm not trying to sell this that, oh, this is good. Adults will be able to access. But if I were in a state in Virginia. Right. Mm -hmm. And if Virginia, um, the, the porn sites partnered with a company like this, I would access porn on my phone and I wouldn't even see an age verification link. Mm -hmm. It would be, oh, we are able to, you know, associate this phone with an age. Okay. It's safe. 
we can distribute it to them. So there's the idea that there's even a little bit of a concern over free speech here is is actually pretty laughable unless you're making the argument that kids have a right, a free speech right to, to accessing pornography. Yeah. Is that the um, standard in many of the states or is it just Louisiana? So Louisiana is the only one that has the actual explicit state ID system. The rest of the states kind of left it up to the porn sites. And that's mm-hmm. partly why you're seeing Pornhub, I think, you know, take advantage. But they're 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 just leaving the state. They're like, we don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't tell us. And uh, you actually saw the uh, Democrat majority leader in the Senate in Virginia uh, publicly post, hey, Yunkin was supposed to figure this out in rulemaking. And now Pornhub doesn't know what to do. That's so upsetting. Like, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, come on. Uh, But (laughs) but ultimately, this stuff is out there. The porn sites know it's out there because they have to do this in other countries. Mm -hmm. And so this is really just them trying to, you know, drag us along and and frankly lie to us. Do we have any data yet that, um, you know, shows how much porn use has dropped in these states as a result of, um, you know, the, both the regulation and the companies pulling out. I don't have that in front of me, obviously, but uh, but yes, uh, I mean, you saw, you know, people made a big deal of the search for VPNs spiking in Louisiana mm-hmm. the day after the the law. Yeah, it spiked that day, and then it and then it went down. Yeah, but no, search for porn. Look, I, I this is going to have a real effect on uh, adults looking for this stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just that's just how it's going to be. But um, I think ultimately, uh, if we get a national law. If we get uh, to where, because right now only like Pornhub and a couple other sites have pulled out of these states. Porn is still readily available in Virginia. It's still readily available. Uh, We need stronger enforcement mechanisms like a private right of action in these bills Mm -hmm. to be able to really go after these companies. But once we get all this in place, and I think we will in the next couple of years, yeah, I think you're going to see a huge um, decrease of porn use among not just kids, but American citizens. So what does the pathway look like? Um, for getting something like this accomplished nationally. And I, I, I think what I mean more specifically by that is, do you think it's quicker to uh, get something through all 50 states or do you think Congress will do it more quickly? It's kind of a race. <laughs> well, I think there's a federal role for everything. Um, so you know, certainly on this, I think it would be much easier if Congress did this. Um, one way, one path forward we do have, and this legislation already exists, uh, Greg Stubbe actually introduced it a couple of Congresses ago. Um, it's basically a Section 230 reform bill that strips immunity from porn websites that don't do age verification. Mm-hmm. I think that's the really easy way to do this, because if you make these you know, porn sites liable in court for anything, uh, they're going to go out of business, right? Mm-hmm. It's just not a, it's not a feasible business model. Um, but I think we could do even better than that. And so, you know, ultimately what it's going to be is it needs to follow what the states have done, which is to basically make this like a regulation and to say, Hey, you know, if you want to operate here in the United States, um, you need to do this and we'll create DOJ rulemaking or whatever to, to go after you if you don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like I, I think that that feasibly could be done because I do think there's going to be some Democrat support for this. Yeah. You brought up uh, Section 230, so I'm just going to go there. What do the libertarians think about this? Because, I, I mean, they're braying about, you know, Section 230 constantly. I, I thought we got over all of that years ago. <laughs> but 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 I'm curious to hear, you know, uh, to the extent that I care about their opinion. Um, are they defending porn for, for minors or like what? Oh, they are. What's <laughs> no, they are. I mean, this is just whatever. You know, I, I guess they look at Pornhub, MindGeek as a tech company. Mm-hmm. And so they just think they have to defend it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, generally there's just this instinctual support among the uh, libertarian groups in D.C. to, to support this stuff. They love to oppose porn. age verification. Uh, I think it's insane. Uh, but, you know, that's ultimately where they're at. And it doesn't really matter. I mean, that's Nick. That's the thing we've kind of realized is that, you know, those groups are they're not the ones that really matter. It's the companies, right? The reason we haven't gotten Section 230 reform through Congress isn't because of a white paper from our street. It's because of Google. Mm -hmm. And so I think if we're able to actually do something at the federal level, it'll be because we either, you know, tell Google and all those companies off collectively that this is something we've decided, hey, we want to protect our kids and you're not going to stand in the way. Or, which is what I'm more afraid of, we work with those companies and come up with something that goes after the porn sites and gives them uh, exemptions, which is probably more likely. Mm-hmm. So speaking of 
tech companies that influence DC libertarians. Um, what is um, you, you mentioned MindGeek a couple times, the the parent company of Pornhub and and several other sites. Um, what has their involvement been like uh, politically on on this particular issue over the last year or so? Well, they are starting to engage. Um, you're seeing you know groups rise up basically like free speech coalition type groups. Um, and, you know, they're they're purely to support the adult industry. Yeah. Porn for kids now. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but, I, you know, in terms of their actual influence, again, we saw this in the States. I, I think when legislators were faced with tech companies getting mad or porn companies getting mad, I think they'll take the porn companies being mm-hmm. mad. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I do think it's going to it's going to grow. Um, you are going to see a big movement here. And uh, the the thing where I think we have an advantage is two things. One, you, know, you mentioned that poll earlier, 83% of the American public support age verification. Mm. Uh, that's a pretty strong number. And, um, you know, also, uh, it's just really hard to organize for porn. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Like, you can imagine thousands of families at a rally saying no porn. Yeah. Can you imagine thousands of predominantly men standing up saying, I want <laughs> to be able to fap? Like, yeah. I mean, that that's really what they're going to have to try to organize. That's yeah. going to be tough to do. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine, you know, a lot of people making calls to their congressmen over mm-hmm. this, right? Because it's so awkward and weird. And uh, and that that's a huge advantage. And so I think ultimately the consumers of this industry aren't going to be uh, its greatest advocates because there's a great deal of shame there, as there should be. Yeah. The uh, uh, Terry and John Porn is Weird Coalition. That 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 needs to be a new uh, app. It's weird. Initiative. It's weird. Look, nobody. <laughs> I mean, it's just there's not. I, I I can't think of anyone in good standing in society who's like I love porn. It's good. I I, I want to do porn more. You're like no, it's not. All the people who say it are gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The people we actually laud are the ex porn people who mm-hmm. say, "Ooh, I don't." You know, Jenna Jameson, for example, like. She's like, oh, yeah, that stuff is really bad. It's bad for families. Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. Uh, so I'm sure there have been some uh, lawsuits about some of these bills in the States already. Um, you know, they got to these companies got to defend their interests, um, uh, their their money. Tell me more about the um, pushback in those individual states. So far, it's been pretty encouraging. Um, you've had a couple of efforts. Uh, Utah's effort to, to restrict their law uh, didn't work. Um, there's going to be some successful ones, I think. Uh, you know, Ultimately, this is something that's going to have to go to the Supreme Court, which is what we want, right? Like We want Reno v. ACLU challenged to some degree or at least modified. To make it where you know the compelling state interest to protect kids is there, um, so I I think that uh, you know we're following the legal the course on this, but it has not been um, the the challenges haven't been as successful as they have been on some of these other issues. But as as folks know, you know these judges, especially left wing judges, mm-hmm. I mean they don't even cite the constitution when they're holding this stuff up. I mean they they just make it up as they go, um, and ultimately this is why it was so important we elected Donald Trump in 2016. Uh, to get the Supreme Court we have, because I think we actually have a chance, certainly on this issue to protect kids, but especially on some of these other issues. Like, <laughs> is it constitutional to ban, you know, gender genital mutilation of children? Mm-hmm. A lot of judges are saying no. <clears throat> and that's insane. Right. Yeah. So hopefully the Supreme Court will say yes. Yeah. Tell me more about the uh, effect, since this is another issue that you guys do a lot of work on, um, the effect that porn has had on um, you know, a lot of this, like kids claiming that they're transgender, you know, wanting to get uh, hormone therapy, sex change operations. Um, I'm sure there's been a huge effect there, but tell me more. So you want that. me to go down the porn is weird route, huh? Yes. Yeah. No. So going. here's, I, I, again, I just don't think, certainly Gen Z understands this. I think millennials understand this, but some of the older generations just don't know what we're dealing with when we talk about porn. Mm-hmm. It's just not, you know, naked ladies uh, in hustler magazine it's really dysfunctional fetishistic you know weird stuff and uh, the reality is that a lot of these you know i'll go down this road male to female transgender folks a lot of it is actually autogynephilia and -hmm. if you look at pornography online there's a lot that kind of leads people down that road where they are attracted to the idea of themselves as a as a female yeah um you know that's not something that was you know nature 
right? That was nurture. Mm -hmm. That was pornography, nurturing it. Certainly with kids, uh, all sorts of things that they're seeing in, and especially animated pornography, uh, really warps their sense of what sex is. And so they, in in a culture where everything is identity and we have to, you know, if we have an interest in something, it must be our identity and people should refer to us by those pronouns or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they, they go down that road and a lot of it's driven by porn. So, you know, I could get into a lot of this that would probably not be safe for work (laughs) or safe for a moment of truth. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this is just very true. And again, I would just tell, especially like older folks who think that this is just like a parent's responsibility or personal choice or whatever, until you've seen the ridiculous porn that's on the internet, mm-hmm. you know, go do that and come back because yeah. you can't talk about this issue unless you have. So mind geek, um, I, I want to talk about more their, um, kind of corporate structure, uh, like who are the people making money off of this? What are what are their interests um, at at play, and and why are they so um, hell bent on defending porn for kids? Well, it's uh, you know, frankly, a lot of it is not known. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, I believe, a Canadian company, but it's a conglomerate. They own many of the major porn sites that you know people traffic to, uh, but ultimately, it's kind of a shadowy company, and so people ask that question, like who, who's benefiting from this? Um, and I think part of it is, you know, this is where Congress can have a role too, right? Is why don't we call them in? Like if we're going to allow them to have their product here in America and distribute it to literally everyone here, we should probably know who they are and what we're dealing with and, and what kind of compliance they're, they're working with. Um, and I would encourage that, but yeah, when you actually look at the porn industry, uh, I'm not advocating big porn at antitrust, I promise, (laughs) but I mean, it is it is a it is concentrated power. It's mm-hmm. it's one company really driving all of this, and they've shifted porn in a way that's that's really become disgusting. Have the Canadians done anything about this in particular, or are they too terrified of this conglomerate? Nobody nobody in power has really stood up to this company besides Nicholas Kristof, mm-hmm. um, which you know credit to him. But yeah. so far, I mean, it's been this is all new, and uh, but this is where you know not just the American people, but I'm sure Canadians probably support age verification that sort of thing as well um mm-hmm. but this is something where we're all going to have to 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 take on this company and and really stop it so you mentioned something earlier about um how MindGeek is having to do um age verification in other countries um i i'm sure you don't you know have the regulations for every country on the planet but but what are some of the examples of you know countries where they do have to verify Um, the user's age, just like a lot of these big tech companies, uh, they, you know, when, when they're dealing with a country that has existing laws on the books, they do try to adhere to them, not Western countries Mm -hmm. here. They just try to get away with whatever they can because they know they can. So we're talking like Saudi Arabia, Arabia, African countries, that sort of thing. But you know, these, these companies know how to do all of this. I mean, Mm -hmm. they, they, they pretend they had that, you know, when Pornhub left Virginia, they had some adult film star come on and uh, say, oh, you know, this is so terrible. We don't know what to do. Now we have to leave. And it's like, no, you know exactly how you could do this. You just don't want to pay the 30 to 50 cents per person to check because I guess that would add up to a few million dollars for it. Yeah. Is that what they're doing um, in the EU? Like I know, like I, I know that they have the um, like the GDPR for like data and, and, and that sort of thing. I mean, what are the regulations on the books for the EU? So I know they've been exploring it certainly more in the UK. Um, but I know they've explored this type of thing. Again, they tend to have a focus on trafficking, Mm -hmm. um, and restrictions on that. But in terms of actual pornographic content, there's been very little in the Western world, uh, Mm. pushing back against this as of yet. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll be the, the first. Yeah. Interesting. So I, I, I think this is, um, you know, this age verification issue uh, is the first step of many to, uh, you know, eradicating the um, scourge of issues that accompany porn usage. Um, where where do uh, conservatives and, and liberals alike that are concerned about this issue, uh, where do we go from here? What's what's next? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, I, I really think we have to establish a national consensus on this. So what do liberals believe about porn? Because I can tell you what the far left activists believe. Um, certainly, you know, 
uh, LGBT activists, Media Matters people who are going to clip this interview, mm-hmm. they're going to basically say, well, you know, see, they want to ban porn so we can uh, erase transgender people, right? And the reality is, no, we just want kids to be able to be kids. And, you know, when they're adults, they can figure all this stuff out later. Um, and that, that's how we feel about the, the trans surgeries. And that's certainly how we feel about porn. I think that the vast majority of liberals, the vast majority of Democrat voters agree with us. And so the question is going to be for the Democratic Party, who do they listen to going forward? Are they mm-hmm. going to do something practical that makes sense? Or are they going to listen to their craziest activists who no one agrees with? And, um, you know, I, I feel two ways about this as a policy director at American Principles Project who wants to get things done. I really hope they come to our side. As a political person who wants to beat the tar out of Democrats, I kind of <laughs> hope they don't, right? Yeah. I kind of hope they give us this. But, you know, I, th- I think there has been some movement on the left. You've seen people like Matthew Iglesias tout age verification as a smart policy that the Democrats should embrace. You know, if they embraced that, we'd be in a world of hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Like it would be hard for us because, uh, you know, we're making the argument correctly that they're anti-family that they want to sexualize kids and then they have this as a counter mm-hmm. i think we'd be you know it'd be pretty difficult so um you know i we'll, we'll see i think what would really be a good start is to have federal legislation introduced probably by one republican and one democrat and try to build off it and and get as much support as possible there are bills in place right now that haven't been enacted but they they're bills uh, like the Earn It Act, which is, I believe, Lindsey Graham and Richard Blumenthal. And it has lots of Republicans and Democrats, and that's going after trafficking content. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's possible. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm a little skeptical just because of how politicized things are and, and frankly, how the left just listens to their craziest activists. Yeah, that's something else um, interesting to talk about is that uh, I, w- I was reading this article about um, the vote count in in each of these states where um you know they passed this age verification bill and i think in at least one case it was unanimous but in but in most of the cases it was like one to five dissenting votes and and there were plenty of democrats involved too that that voted yes i i have a hard time believing that uh we we'd get a similar um result in in congress um, could you talk a little bit more about the um, attitudes there, uh, particularly in the Republican Party? Because that's actually where I yeah. think you'd have some of the some of the biggest um, issues, you know, uh, braying about free speech, First Amendment, you know, when it when it comes to uh, providing porn to children. Yeah. Look, the Republicans, I love them. I vote for them every election cycle, but they have some weird issues about the role of the federal government. And and I just think that's crazy in a post-constitutional society um, where the Democrats basically do whatever they want. But certainly on things like this, we should be able to agree that there can be a federal role here, that we shouldn't just condemn kids in California to whatever the left wants. Hmm. Um and, you know, I, I think that's going to be the biggest thing is persuading the Republicans, OK, can we do something on this? That's why I think the Section 230 reform is probably a quick way to start because you're actually taking away a special benefit from the porn sites that the government already gives. So maybe they could be persuaded on that. But look, we've been working on this tech issue for a long time and Republicans just are difficult. They, they, yeah. they have not moved the way I think the realignment would have liked. And so ultimately, it's probably going to take a presidential candidate, whether it's Trump or Vivek Vivek or DeSantis, to come out and say, like, hey, we need age verification. We need to protect kids. This is going to be a priority for me. Uh, I I don't know if the the congressional Republicans will change that much until that happens. Mm -hmm. Do you think that there is a generational divide between the Republicans in in Congress? Um, You mentioned earlier that, like, a lot of boomers don't really understand yeah. like what this stuff is like. So do you think there's a divide? I you know, promise you. So uh, this this actually, I got rejected, uh, but I came up with this idea like two or three years ago and I wanted to go to Congress and have a, a little press conference outside and literally print out like 20 or 30 of the most disgusting hentai pictures I could find. <laughs> Tentacle porn, all of it. And uh, I got rejected. Terry wouldn't let me do it. Actually, it was Paul Dupont, our comms director. <laughs> said no. And but my argument here is this: these guys just don't know. Mm-hmm. And if they saw these images even once, 
they would just be like, burnt, kill it with fire. We're yeah. done. We're not doing this. Mm-hmm. They just don't know. And so yeah. I think education is going to be a big part of this. And, you know, kind of helping these guys understand, like, this goes beyond just what you think porn is, which is still something gross, but it's like, you know, two normal people having sex. Like, mm-hmm. it's not that. And And I think, you know, once we can convince them of that, we have a chance. But again, you know who could convince them of that is a president who says it. I, yeah. I, I think they're going to listen to Donald Trump saying porn is bad and gross a little bit more than John Schweppe. Yeah. Well, on that note, any last uh, words of wisdom for the people before Don't, we end? You know, uh, porn is bad. We all know it. We've all done it. Um, no, I, I will say something about that because Terry and I talk about this a lot. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've had people tell me, like, I don't want to talk about this issue because I have some issues with it in the past. Mm-hmm. People have speculated that Donald Trump hasn't wanted to talk about this issue because of Stormy Daniels and that sort of thing. If people understand porn is something that afflicts like everyone, mm-hmm. right? Like it's really ruined our country in a lot of ways, but like everyone has a porn addiction and it's something you have to really fight against. And so I think like folks who speak out on this, like I've certainly struggled with porn I, I won't speak for Terry, but others have struggled with it. <laughs> and, you know, that's part of why we know it's bad. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking about protecting kids from developing habits, and I was lucky enough that I didn't see porn until I was 17 or 18, but kids are seeing it at age 11. And so we really have to do something about this. This is beyond just like, oh, it would be nice. Or maybe, like if you want to protect kids and make sure that they're able to have normal relationships where they can have a family, where they can reproduce the next generation of Americans, you got to do something on porn. I know it's gross to talk about. No one wants to, but uh, it's the only way I think. Yeah. No, I totally, totally agree. Um, John, where can people find you find out about the great work that APP is doing? Sure. So we're at AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. You can sign up there if you want to contribute a small $5 or whatever and be on our list. That's a great way to do it. Um, Also, we're on Twitter at AP Project. And then I'm on Twitter at John Schweppe. And I should say Terry Schilling's also on Twitter at Schilling1776. His Twitter is a little spicier than mine. So yeah. it's probably worth a follow. It definitely is. If anyone here remembers the uh, podcast episodes we've done with Terry, you know, it gets... They're pretty spicy. Yeah, it gets a, it gets a little spicy. Yeah. Um, well, John, thank you very much for coming on uh, Moment of Truth and best of luck in all your work. Hey, thanks so much. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Moment of Truth. If you like this show, um, please feel free to, to go and rate and review our show. Five stars only, please. Um, also, give a, a written review. Uh, that really helps. Sometimes we like to uh, read them out on the show, um, give you a little treat for uh, rating and reviewing. Uh, so we really do appreciate it when you do that. As always, visit AmericanMoment.org to see more about our mission and our programming and all the events we have going on. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick S. Solheim. That's S-O-L-H-E-I-M. And you can follow American Moment on Twitter at AMMoment.org. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Moment of Truth is an American Moment Studios production filmed at the Conservative Partnership Center. Our podcast is produced and edited by Jake Mercier and Jared Cummings. Our intro music is A Minor Struggle by Ryan Serenich. Don't forget to like and subscribe on all platforms, and you can go to AmericanMoment.org to learn more.